Welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer, coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, over 60 years of work experience. And I don't have a joke. Go ahead. Wow. That's impressive though. (laughs) But we're making this podcast together to try to help each other. And hopefully you, the listener, save some money is our normal topic. But what are we talking about today, Dave? So today we are going to talk about job searches in the 2020s. Oh, I I thought, I thought you were going to say, we're going to talk about instead of saving money, making money. Yes. Making money is still twice as effective as making money, right? Uh, A penny (laughs) saved is two pennies earned after tax, but you got to have more than zero, right? So you got to, you got to have more than zero. That's for sure. (laughs) So you and I have been talking over the past uh, little while about job searches, various, uh, uh, various aspects of it. We're both currently or recently searching for jobs uh, in our, um, Twilight years, probably not twilight years, but in middle age. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm hoping I got at least 30 more, maybe more than that. So we both have uh, extensive experience as both job seekers and as hiring managers. So that's true. I think we have a good perspective on it. And uh, I thought it'd be worth talking about, right? This was actually your idea and share it with our listeners. Yeah, I think it's important. I, I I had a bunch of different thoughts and one of them was you and I were talking about job searching and just um, keeping things up to date. And what I mean by that is we did a show recently where we talked about updating your finances once a year. I'd like to do it right around tax time. It's going to be tax time. I like to think about once a year, people should sit down and do that long-term plan for their finances. What do they have saved? What do they plan to save? Where are they at? What's their allocation, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking about that in terms of jobs. And um, you uh, uh, have been in uh, your last role for like 10 years or something like that. I had been with my previous company for about 24 years in different roles. But I think one of the things that's hard is to go back and update your resume years after it's gone by. So I would recommend to our listeners to update your resume at least every year at a minimum so you don't forget really important things you did. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That is easier than trying to do it in five or 10 year batches. Because uh, when you need a resume, hopefully, you, I hope everybody out there gets their dream job and they're employed or self-employed all the way through to retirement. But when you need a job, you need a job and you don't want a barrier like, oh, crap, I'm in a bad mood, but now I have to write a resume that sounds enthusiastic. And it, it's hard. I will say I love finances. So I do my taxes and I have no problem doing my taxes. I don't say I like it, but I, you know, I'm on it because I want to do it efficiently and, and use the tax law to my advantage, but I don't particularly like updating my resume. So it's, it's kind of one of those things I have to force myself to do. Um, in, in a way, when I talked about my previous company, I was there 24 years, but I just counted it before the show here. I think I counted like 12 or 13 roles during that time. So I've had to update it. Um, cause you would post for your job internally, you have to have a resume. So that kind of forced me to update every few years. So I feel pretty fortunate about that, but it, it's, I don't like doing that for some reason. Yeah. I'm wondering if our uh, younger listeners are confused by 
our weirdness here because in some ways resumes are uh, a thing of the past or they should be. Uh, I, I believe you have a pretty current uh, profile on LinkedIn. Yeah, sure do. And I have done a reasonably good job of keeping that up to date. And that is pretty much a resume with a little bit of interaction. Sure. And my LinkedIn profile looks essentially like my resume. So it would list my jobs and the time and um, I, the achievements from each role I would put in my LinkedIn profile. So that's a good point. Um, you and I both started out before this thing, the, the internet was around and you had this on a sheet of paper, but I think it's so important I'll pick that sheet of paper and posting for jobs. I still use that sheet of paper to electronically upload it to people or send it to people. So they can sometimes they print it out. Sometimes they use um, smart scanning technology to scan for keywords on it. Um, but when I say update your resume, what, what I'm thinking is update that paper copy you keep. I keep mine in Word. You could do it in Google Docs, whatever word processing document, and then update your LinkedIn page and perhaps update your Glassdoor page, which is another site I, I like. I do have my resume posted on Career Builder, which seemed um, like a hotter internet site, say 10 or 15 years ago. And I just kind of kept it out there through sheer inertia, but you can cut and paste that stuff. I, I agree with you 100%. Even if you have your own website with uh, various types of mixed media, you still need even if it's a virtual piece of paper to hand somebody, because that's how people hand off your job search to other people. That's what you give to your contacts in the industry to pass on to the HR and their company. And the HR hands that to the hiring, uh, hiring managers. So it's like the, the, the talking stick around the campfire at your hippie commune meetings. Yeah. So it's important to have that. So I, I would encourage, you know, listeners to update that resume that you keep on with some word processing document, but then update LinkedIn as, as well. That seems to be the biggie out there today. And there's a lot of good, useful features where they'll find jobs for you. You can also, some job, some jobs you can link to your LinkedIn profile. Hard to say that. And it'll extract that information and pre-populate say a job application form for you. And then the same thing you, uh, I've done on Glassdoor. So my two favorites right now are Glassdoor. I think I like that a little bit better than LinkedIn and LinkedIn for my current job search. I suspect LinkedIn is kind of the industry standard. <clears throat> They're owned by Microsoft now. And uh, I, I think we've mentioned this to the listeners, but uh, Melinda Gates was in our class at Duke Engineering. She sure was. And Duke Engineering isn't that big, right? There's a couple, 210 people in each class. So I, I calculate there's what, 60, 65% chance that she listens to our uh, podcast? Probably higher than that, but who knows? So, so Melinda, that was a good, good pickup on your, on your guys' part. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it, it is, a, it's, a, it's a fine product, but this is a reason to keep it up to date. Even if you have no intention of switching jobs is because people use it to remind themselves of who you are, how they know you, and why is this person calling to sell me services? Are they qualified to be my gardening consultant or whatever it is? That's a good point. So you should make sure you put down key, maybe programs, problems, and put down achievements on your resume because it's good to, that resume helps you remember it. Um, the other thing that I like to use also is I have a little interviewing cheat sheet. It's about one or two pages. And I put down a list of maybe some big things that I worked on a big project, a big problem, what the problem was, what I did to it, what results are achieved. 
and you can use those things for different questions. Some firms like to just ask you about yourself. Uh, I've had some, a lot of interviews recently like that. My previous employer liked to ask you behavioral questions where they say, tell us a time where you had a really tough problem. You know, what did you do? So you get these kind of open-ended questions that you can use these cheat sheets to answer. And I always like to keep that cheat sheet along with reading my resume before you go to your interview because it helps you remember. Yes, those behavioral interviews are very effective. Um, but if you're looking for a job, you should probably prepare for them. And You should practice for them because having done that for 20 some years as a hiring manager, you really get scored on how you answer those questions. And so to some extent, you can be really good at interviewing. And I found that some people are very good at interviewing, but not so good at the job. And some people are not good at interviewing and good at the job. But oftentimes, if you're not good at interviewing, you're not going to get the job. Right. So if you're going to list in your resume, I'm really good at teamwork or conflict resolution, you should be prepared with an anecdote explaining why. And if the question you get doesn't quite fit it, you can pull the politician thing and say, oh, that's a great question. I, and then answer the answer you have prepared. And pivot. <laughs> hey, they're not the boss uh, of you. Well, not yet. Yeah. I was One, one thing I was thinking about that uh, you had talked about doing a resume um, before, um, not only would you want to do that so you can hand the piece of paper, a lot of the jobs that I had applied for recently, you actually could scan your resume. And so they wouldn't, some companies will allow you to, to link to LinkedIn, but some companies will just take your resume. They'll keep a copy of it, but then they'll use software to scan all the words on it and then pre-populate the application. So it's a big time saver as well to have that. Yes. Uh, I remember a few years back, there was advice on your resume to make sure you had at least 11 point font because otherwise the scanners might miss the words. And let's face it, really good jobs for big employers. They get hundreds and hundreds of applications and they're looking for any reason to sort you out. Um, yeah. And a lot of hiring managers are older people who don't have their glasses. So if you, it's <laughs> tempting to try and get it all on one page with a six point font, but if they can't read it, it might get binned. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, resume linked is something that you and I both talked about recently. And uh, I was convinced um, by some professionals to get mine down to two pages. So if you look at my unabridged resume, it's at five pages right now, which you think like, oh, that's really long, but it has a lot of good detail in it. So I've kept it and, you know, it goes back for 33, 30, 30 some years. Right. Um, so I've just kept that. And so sometimes I'll use that because there's some, there's some things that are, um, important from the long, long time ago for certain skills or certain jobs that I like to bring up, but I've, I've been convinced to put the last 15 years on there. So now I'm down to a page and a half or so, and I've truncated some of the descriptions down. And then I think, I think that seems to work okay because people are looking for key kind of roles that you had. And then all that extra description, you could print your long resume out and then use that for talking points for that um, behavioral interview or to give examples to your interviewers on how you maybe achieve goals or results in certain areas. Yeah. And like we say, resumes are important, but the content of them isn't that important. It's important that you have it, that it's true. Um, but mostly people just want to hold it in their hands and have something to ask you questions about. So it's more important to get it done than to get it perfect. Yeah, it's a good point. Being a, putting my hiring manager hat on, I used to print out all the resumes that passed a certain screening and um, the company system 
wouldn't filter things out automatically as perhaps some of these newer systems. I'd print them out and read them very quickly. But once I started talking to people, it was very good to have that in front of you. So you'd clarify things like confirm that they had a, they graduated because sometimes that was unclear, confirm their um, kind of roles and experiences. And it was, it was just good for, it was good for you as the hiring manager because you might have read through tens of these things, you know, maybe 40 to a hundred to keep people straight. Yes. And I'd recommend against misleading people. You know, if you took some classes and didn't get a degree, make that clear because you can embarrass somebody if they say, oh, this is our first graduate from Colorado State. And then they have to go tell them, I accidentally went there for one quarter and filled out, right? And then you make him look like a dope or her. It's true. Or they're going to catch in the background check and you're not going to, you're not going to get past the background check and get the job in that case. And you really don't want that. Um, yeah, we, I've not had I've not had that happen to me as a hiring manager, but I've seen it happen to somebody else where it was confusing the way it looked. It looked like I don't think the person was misleading him, but it was just the way it was written was confusing. The the hiring manager made the assumption, and, and they didn't have the degree, and the company required the degree, and the offer was rescinded. Yes, that's something I, I'd like to mention because I was surprised when I found out about it, um, but. Uh, Frequently, companies do background checks and reference checks after they make the offer. Um, so be aware of that. It, in a lot of ways, it makes sense because you don't want people talking to your current employer before they've made you an offer. Um, but don't give your notice until they're done with that because something you think is completely unobjectionable, they might have a problem with. So that's a good point. Yeah. So like I, right now I'm transitioning and some background checks can take longer than others. And even the company that uh, I'm talking with, they've said, don't put your notice in until we, you, the background check clears, if you will. So that's a good point for job seekers. Just wait for that. I was impressed when you told me that they uh, suggested that to you because <laughs> they should. I was, because who knows that? Maybe everybody knows it now, but I was surprised when I learned it. 10 years ago as a hiring manager that they were going to rescind the offer if they didn't pass the background check. Yeah. Funny things can happen on background check. Um, you know, when I was hiring undergraduates, one of the silly things, for whatever reason, we would run the background check before the exact date they graduated. It's like, literally, I've seen it. I've seen the background check being running on a Tuesday and graduation was a Wednesday. So when they pinged the university, the university said, oh, this person hadn't graduated. Well, you checked the date before graduation. So it was officially in the system, which seemed, seemed kind of silly to me. Um, but, you know, weird stuff like that can happen. In those cases, it didn't prevent the person from being hired because we obviously realized, oh, this the day before graduation, they're going to university is going to say not graduated yet. Yeah. And it is worth it to be creative. Um, back in the old days, you know, I work in construction, I got good pictures of some of my big projects and either renderings or actual photographs of the completed projects. And I put together a little portfolio and set them out with my resume. And uh, at the time that was unusual and a little expensive. Um, and, I got a call back on every single one of those, I think because it's stuck in people's minds. It sets you up. I mean, it sets you apart. You think about an artist, they would normally bring something like if you were a photographer or an artist, you'd bring a book with you or designer, but that's a really good idea. I've done that a couple times years ago where I'd actually bring a project with a couple key PowerPoint slides on it where all the sensitive information was taken off. Right. 
but I think it shows to your prospective employer, your due diligence about how you handled yourself, what you did. And it's, it's, as a hiring manager, it is impressive. Yeah, what I've tried recently, I'm experimenting with is well, like when we propose on projects at work, some of these formal proposals have page limits on how many you can submit. So I've been known to include on the electronic copy, a hyperlink that takes you elsewhere so you can sneak in more data. Mm -hmm. So I've been working with putting in a cover email links to products I've produced. So I, I shared one with you that I did. So it had a link to an op-ed of mine that was published in the paper, um, um, uh, me talking at a planning commission meeting on a public meeting, uh, a link to our podcast, which I'm quite proud of. Um, so stuff like that. If the, you have material like that, and I think we all do, you probably ought to control it and send the professional stuff out rather than somebody Googling you and finding your videos of you at Cabo on spring break in 1997. <laughs> I think that's a good idea to have some sort of uh, folio with your professional endeavors in it. Yeah, because people want to hire people who can speak well. Eventually, they want you to be a leader and a contributor. So if you can demonstrate things that show your soft skills besides an interview, which everybody's going to have, um, you know, more power to you. Thinking about interviews, um, you know, I, I was talking about, I was trying to count up the different jobs I had over the last, say, 24 years. And interviewing is a skill. So if if you're not good at that, you should practice. And if you get called about a job, you should probably practice with a good friend or a significant other to try practicing some of those questions because you get better at doing it um, the more you do it. So I find that through my career, some of those first interviews I had, say, after a couple of years were a little bit rough sometimes. So what I found out as I go back through that resume, read it, go back to the little cheat sheet I put together of, of talking points for projects, problems, et cetera and do a little mock interview because it gets you, gets you ready. Now, <laughs> if, if you're not, don't care so much about that first interview, then that's your practice session, but kind of a waste of your time, kind of a waste of your of potential employer's time. So do think about doing a practice session. That's an excellent idea. Particularly if you go on an interview and you think you tanked it because <laughs> you hadn't had much experience or you ran into somebody that was less friendly than you thought. Uh, yeah. And you can put some effort into it. Find a friend of yours who has been a hiring manager or an HR professional they're everywhere. They shouldn't be hard to find one and ask them to, to make it hard for you um, and, and practice it. It's like anything. You, you don't want to play guitar in front of people unless you practice the song. Yeah. So I, I find as I've gone through periods where I was changing, say, roles in my previous company, one role to another or different jobs, it really helps to practice. It helps to prepare a lot. And as you interview, you get better and you think, oh, darn, you know, they asked me about... Um, you know, what's the toughest project you worked on? I should have talked about something else. I gave them the answer. This is a much better answer. I always use that. And I go back to my cheat sheet and I write that note down mm. to myself for prepping next time. And it's always, it's always, like I said, it's about a page, page and a half, um, just of notes to myself that helps me get ready, key things to talk about. And it can change the role. So in this last role, there was a couple of things that I forgot, you know, I got off the phone and, or we actually had a zoom call and said, darn, I wish I had talked about that. I, why did I, you know, why did I not think about talking about that? So the next person, make sure you mention this, because this is really good customer facing kind of role work, which is 
something they're looking for besides, you know, the other thing they're looking for. Yeah. And if you think of something you should have said in the interview, the French have a word for that about what you think of on the staircase after the conversation, but um, feel free to send a thank you note and mention it and say, oh, you asked me about customer facing stuff. Um, I also blah, 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 and give them some notes on that. Um, That's a good point. Here's one technique I never used until this recent job search. Um, my Most of the interview, everybody I interviewed with was on LinkedIn. So after the interview, I asked to connect them on LinkedIn. And to your point, you could put that, hey, I, I forgot to tell you about this. I didn't do that in those cases, but I just put a little note thanking them for their time. It, it's similar to, I guess, an email you'd send, but I'm not sure, Dave, if you've ever used that technique before. Not exactly. I've been... <laughs> wondering recently, and I think this is for a long time that the advice was to send a handwritten thank you note to people after interviews. And um, because I have done that before, but maybe 35 years ago, (laughs) that's the thing. I think you might not even be able to get to people. Um, It is unusual. And if you can come up with something to make it memorable, but because you get so little actual mail, uh, but I haven't been doing it of late. Yeah. I remember doing that maybe when I came out of college a few times that, so that was going to be back in the mid eighties before the internet was a big thing. I, I can't see that practical today because the, some of the people I interviewed, I knew their name. I knew the company they worked for, but I had no idea what their physical address was. Like that wasn't a topic of conversations you really don't need to know. So it's not really possible to send them a physical note. So I'd like, I liked, you could send them an email. Sometimes you don't know their email so some of the people I talked to don't know their email. So I, I thought the LinkedIn was good. So you might try that. If you can find them on LinkedIn, I sent them a little note and kept it short and sweet. You know, thanks for your time today. Really enjoyed talking about the job and maybe some specific thing. Hmm. One thing that might be helpful. Uh, there was a podcast I was a religious listener to. It's called uh, Manager Tools, manager-tools.com. And a lot of resources for people who are going, particularly for people going from being a technical uh, individual contributor to being a manager of people, they, they really break it down. But uh, he had a cast on how to use a resume for an interview, particularly if you got in the last minute and he had a, you know, a highlighter and a pen, you go through the highlighter and you highlight this and use a pen to uh, catch this. And he was uh, specifically looking for achievements so you would ask questions about that. So um, I, I'd recommend people listen that there's a lot of resources on that podcast uh, and I've paid to go to their seminars and stuff, not recently, but they're really good. Um, but you were mentioning when you were talking about um, the updating your resume, getting some keywords in there, sort of like search engine optimization you do for your website. So Google would have you show up in a search. Yeah. At the top, the, the recommendations I got, I had some professionals look it over. They put together like a summary at the top, like maybe a paragraph link summary of what you've done. So I've done a lot of program management. So I'm focused on that and a lot on supply chain, but you can put keywords in there like supply chain management, program management, and then the um, bots or the automated scanning technology will read that in electronically it reads it back in the old days it, people would scan your resume and it matches those with the role so it's good to have those at the top so at the top of my resume I might have like 
10 bullets that kind of list some key job skill sets that are there? Uh, that seems like a good idea. One thing I recommend against is putting an objective on your resume. You should put that in your cover letter because it should be very specific to the person you're approaching. And I don't know what your experience is, Dave, but I've never gotten one that had an objective on it that made me say, oh, this person really wants to do exactly what I'm looking for. But I have said this person doesn't want this job because their objective is describing <laughs> something besides I'm interviewing for. Yeah, I, I don't I've never had an objective on mine. So I'm not a big fan of that. So I just I put a little summary at the top of what you've done and then the keywords to make it easy to search. I think it's especially useful where someone is looking for you. You're not maybe potentially looking. And those that's kind of when you get those uh, notes out of the blue that says, hey, we're looking to find somebody who has these skill sets and it makes you easier to find for certain skills that might be useful um, somewhere else or it might be useful for promotion for yourself. Yeah. One thing to be wary of as much as I'm saying, I like LinkedIn is it's, it can, it can have some negative effects because essentially you've published your resume and a recruiter who works on contingency can take it and forward it to people and make a fee off you without your permission. And in the old, technically they should ask for your permission though. Absolutely. And people can check references on you without asking your permission, which can be counterproductive for you. And I, I I think it's unethical for them to do that, but it's not hard for them to do it. The information's out there. It, it isn't. Those recruiters should be asking for your permission. I know I've had a couple contact me lately where they've asked me to electronically give them permission to submit my resume, which is, it's interesting that in the digital world today where you can get that permission electronically, where back in the day, you and I might get a phone call, we'd have to give the permission over the phone. And to your point, contingency C recruiters could submit your name without your agreement. Cause I, we've discussed this. I had an experience a few years back where uh, a recruiter submitted my resume to someone who then approached a mutual client of ours and asked about me and who then mm. asked my boss about me, about my job search. And that was very unpleasant. And I hadn't given permission to approach that potential employer. So I, I don't know. So if you are going to use people as a reference, you should call them and ask them. You should. Yeah. You, you could, you could also say, you know, references available on requests. I don't publish any references. If it gets to that point, then, then, then I let my references know. Generally my references are old bosses, old, old work acquaintances and say, Hey, um, you might get a call from so-and-so to give them a heads up. Cause you want to give your reference, like what the job is about, what it entails, what you'd be doing. So they're prepared and not con caught unawares. Yes. And if they're a really good reference, they are going to ask you questions about what do you want me to tell them? Yeah. So I, I don't know about you, but I don't list any references on my LinkedIn or resume page. If it gets that far, then I'll give the references out. Right. But again, it's easy for them. And it particularly, you know, professional recruiters know the rules, big HR managers know the rules, but if you're applying to a job with a small person, a small firm or an individual, they don't know. And they don't, they don't care. They want to check. So that's fine. The, the truth is the truth. Just be aware that that could happen. Yeah, that's a good point. It's interesting, you know, my current job search, um, how digitization really helps out where you can um, apply for things and have it, have it kind of scraped off your LinkedIn page, but I'm still amazed of how many times it doesn't work really well. So um, I've done a couple of versions of my resume where 
you load your resume and then their software reads it and tries to pre-populate your resume in their system. And sometimes it works really well. And a lot of times it doesn't, like it misses key fields. And what surprises me is how often it kind of strikes out on the LinkedIn page, because you would think they would have each field from LinkedIn mapped over exactly. Hmm. So I'm, I'm still surprised in this era, era of digitization. I, I thought that it might be a really good opportunity there to do it better, because I don't, it's a lot better than it used to be, because you can pull stuff in, but it's not really all there in my mind. So I think there's still an opportunity to maybe standardize those fields to make it simpler for all of us to get our data in. Maybe. Um, I can't tell you how many times in the past months I've had to like update. It didn't read right and I had to update the dates uh, and it didn't pull in the description into the correct box. So I can understand in a resume and my resume was constructed to make that easy, but I've tweaked it a little bit after I learned a few things. But what throws me is sometimes the LinkedIn link will work and it'll extract and sometimes it won't even when it does. I'm surprised sometimes that certain fields don't get pulled over like the description. Hmm. Yeah, I get contacted by LinkedIn. I, I don't know how often it is, once a month or once a week, they send, hey, we think you might be interested in these jobs. And every other one is pretty on point, things that I might be interested in and would be a good fit. But the other batch, and they come in batches, is sales associate at Pizza Hut and stuff, things that are entry-level jobs. I, I don't know, maybe there's another person with my name out there or I have a an abandoned one that I don't remember, but they just don't fit at all. That's an, I get the same, same thing sometimes. Mostly they're coming from like contingency recruiters where they'll send a job that is, you, I mean, you could certainly do it, but maybe it's, it's uh, not the correct kind of job, right, for your role. The, the neat thing about LinkedIn, I like, I like LinkedIn and like Glassdoor is you can set up job searches to automatically come to you. I think Glassdoor, can, you, you can do it daily or weekly. LinkedIn, you can, you can have some search parameters. So if you're in the business of looking for a job daily, sometimes it's overwhelming if you're not really in the market. So to me, weekly would be better. But if you're looking for a job, maybe daily is good because you see all the updated stuff every day. It comes a little onerous daily because you see sometimes the same jobs, you know, day one, and you see the same thing again, day two. So if you can't remember, you're chasing your tail a little bit. Yeah. And this is a little repetitive of what we said before, but as you're producing your quasi paper resume and PDF or whatever, simpler is better. Um, don't put 16 fonts on it. Don't, don't put a lot of script or... I, I don't think you should really do much of any graphics. You want to put a line that makes it look uh, clearer. That's fine. But I wouldn't develop a personal logo unless you already had it. Right. So it's maybe, maybe your company's logo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, possibly if you're a graphic designer, you should do something. But um, aside from that, people just want to read them. They want to know the dates. They want to know your education. If you, some accomplishments would be good and something that implies your skills, but everybody says they're good at teamwork. But I will say it's so much easier in today looking for a job than it was say in the mid 1980s because none of this existed online. You'd have to read the one ads or specialized one ads, or you'd have to go to a career fair or something like that. It's just amazing what you can get at your fingertips today by doing some keyword searches. Um, Cause every, it's just so much more, it's easier for companies and it's easier for you. So it's just really amazing what you can get your hands on. Yeah. 
and and you gave me some good advice recently um is you should this is a little bit unfair but it's not a bad idea to go on an interview for a job you don't particularly want because there won't be the same pressure and it is good to practice interviewing uh and if you if you're new to job searching or recent graduate or you haven't looked for a job in a long time things change people get better at interviewing and they have different ways of doing things and if you're doing it for the first time on zoom which i think is going to catch on now i think that's going to happen a lot uh i think five zoom interviews with different people in our organization is better than one person and then find out uh, so it, it's worth practicing and you might be surprised it might be a perfect job and they described it wrong yeah, that's true. Yeah. All my interviews were on Zoom, none were in person this days of in this days of COVID. In some ways it's actually easier because when you're there in person with people, I always bring my resume and have it in front of me. It's a little awkward to have those that note that I talked about. I call it the cheat sheet. It's not really a cheat sheet, it's just notes. Um, I feel less awkward about it now because I just don't think it matters. And if the interviewer asks, like, why, what's that? That would just be, those are my key things that I want to make sure points I hit in the interview to convey my skills to you. But when you're at home at my desk on Zoom, you can have that right down in front of you. And I have two monitors here. I can have my resume up on the right side monitor. I think the key thing is make sure you're looking at the camera because I have, if you look at the other screen, it doesn't look like you're paying attention. But I thought the Zoom interviews were, 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 um, fine. One thing I've observed changing jobs a few times over the years is where I've had the best success is going to an organization where I knew someone who worked there and had worked there for a little while. Um, in part, because typically they had recommended me, they were invested in me being successful. So they would coach you a little bit and that could keep you getting in trouble on unimportant things. That is really good to know company culture type things like you know, don't wear t-shirts on Fridays and uh, jeans just, it says it's okay, but don't do it or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like, Unwritten rules. Exactly. You know, yeah. Learn how to make coffee because uh, the, the chairman uh, likes to mingle with people, but if he gets an empty coffee urn <laughs> and knows you got the last cup, he's going to hold it against you. That's a good point. The other thing you made me think about is networking. I have this discussion with um, some of my kids about networking. And I think to some extent with today's age, they think it's not quite as important because everybody can search you on the internet. But as a hiring manager, one of the things that you hate doing, at least I hate doing is making a bad decision. So all, all other things being equal, if I knew somebody directly and know how they perform, that was a big deal. And then if I didn't know them directly, if I knew someone who I respected their judgment and that person could vouch for that other person, that's a big deal because it's a big risk reducer. So that, that networking is really important from that perspective. It helps the hiring manager from making a bad decision. I think that's the key thing that networking gives you. That's an excellent point. Uh, when a stranger gives me a reference, that reference, their loyalty is to the, the person they're referring. So I don't, not that anybody's lying to me or misleading, but a reference from somebody I know is much more valuable to me. Your recommendation of somebody is much more valuable to me than their recommendation from someone I don't know, even if it's Joe Biden or uh, Bill Gates recommending them. Um, it's, it's hard. I'll give you an example. Um, about 2009, I did an interviews and I was the manager. I'd have some of my key team be on the interviews with me and I'd get their input and they would score the candidate. 
we interviewed this one person. And at that point, I mean, I might had been hiring people for maybe 10 years or so, right? Um, this candidate was fabulous, really could answer the behavioral questions, was so smooth. These guys were like gaga over the moon for this guy. And we hired him, but things just didn't work out. It turns out he was a much better interviewer than he was someone could do the job. So it's a little bit hit or, hit or miss. But like I said before, I think the key point is you got to be good at those kind of interviews, especially the behavioral ones, because if you're bad at it, generally the folks are told not to score that well and you won't get a shot at it. But in this case, we didn't know the gentleman. So it was kind of a unknown. But if, if you had known me or I had known you through somebody else and you didn't have a great interview, that could go a long way to say cementing that role saying, hey, I know this person, they've done a really good job. They get nervous, they don't interview well. So we're gonna look past that if you will. Right. Oh. Well, any other tips, Mr. Blasco? No, I think we're, I think we've covered it all. Um, yeah, if, uh, and of course, if we forgot something, we can have a follow-up. Right on. All right, good luck to you all out there. Update those resumes, get going. Yes. And uh, stay safe, everyone.